Welcome to Shift, a college admissions, ACT, and SAT podcast for a changing world. I'm Tyler, the founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable ACT course that uses memory-based adaptive learning technology to get you better results in less time. You can get a free trial at achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast gets you 10% off at checkout. Now, let's get started. Today, we have Sarah Cook with us from College Bound Career Ready. Sarah, if you could just give a bit of background about yourself and your company, that would be great. Sure. Uh, Thank you so much for having me, Tyler. I appreciate it. Um, Experience has given me a passion to make the complicated process of college admissions more organized and approachable for students and their families. My early professional years were spent in three different states and encompassed 18 years in public education. I taught seemingly everything from English to special education to college success, but it was serving as a college and career coordinator that I found my dream job. Mm -hmm. Uh, Families deserve an educated advocate who can support them through the college admissions process. And after several years of research, I founded CBCR in 2015 with a mission to help students work with purpose during high school in order to gain admission to success. Uh, We've grown over the last seven years. Uh, We have eight exceptional independent college admissions consultants, and we've worked with over 450 families on the East Coast and also abroad. Uh, We service students in every year of high school with uh, consultation plans that are customized with the student in mind. Yeah, fantastic. And Talking about college admissions today, this is the fun part of it, well, or the not fun part of it, is when you get your letter back, right, from the school. Sure. And so I think, you know, when we were talking kind of before this and getting prepared, one of the things that you wanted to start with is what you should do with each of them, right? Admitted, deferred, denied, and waitlisted. And I would love Mm -hmm. to kind of talk about, like, what's going on in the application marketplace right now and kind of the trends Um, and just strategies for handling each kind of decision. Sure. So uh, once students have submitted their applications to uh, the colleges of their choosing, we then kind of uh, switch uh, consideration and and they're waiting for their decisions. And those are going to come in the form of admitted, deferred, denied, or waitlisted. And just to break down those four separate pathways, if a student is admitted, obviously that's the celebratory success of, you know, the student or the, mm-hmm. the uh, student has been accepted by the school and, you know, they have the opportunity to attend there um, at the given timeline that they had applied for. If a student is denied from a college, those are the unfortunate circumstances um, that are uh, final and the student does not have the opportunity to attend for their given timeline. Now, with deferrals and waitlisting, it gets a little bit more complicated. This year, for example, we're seeing an increase in students being deferred from colleges. And typically, a deferred decision comes alongside either an early action or early decision application. Mm-hmm. And um, with this, they're usually moved from that early action or early decision pool to the regular larger decision pool. And basically what happens is their decision is prolonged. And mm-hmm. so instead of finding out um, at the end of their first semester, um, typically around the holidays, they then have to wait several more weeks or sometimes even months until they receive a decision. Uh 
the research shows us that approximately 20% of those deferred students will end up being admitted. So it can be a very difficult uh, decision to receive as it's not final and it just prolongs um, the wait. Mm -hmm. Now, waitlisting is different. Waitlisting means that you won't find out until typically after that uh, commitment day, which National Commitment Day is May 1st, and mm. most students have it in their minds uh, that they're going to be able to commit to a school by May 1st. So with waitlisting, they typically don't find out until May 15th or, mm. or somewhere thereabouts. There are occasions where you find out ahead of that, um, but it again prolongs. And, and I think the uncertainty that accompanies waitlisting is that you'll never know if you're number one on the waitlist or you're number 1000 on the waitlist. And right. there are circumstances where there is not a date that they have to be notified if they are going to be admitted or not. So it could be, you know, well into the fall following graduation that students receive a response. So that can be even more challenging to navigate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think at a certain point, there's probably a, I don't know if there's a percentage of people that who are waitlisted get in nationally on average, but I would imagine it, it is likely lower than the 20% when you get deferred, right? Yes, I would imagine so. Um, and I think that, you know, really comes down to what the variables that the university is considering in terms of who that admitted class will be and ultimately how many students commit as of that May 1st deadline. Um, and ultimately, is that fulfilling the class that they were hoping to have for the fall or not? Right. So then let's talk about essentially how you should handle each, right? I think that, I mean, admitted is pretty easy. You're in, congrats. You get to decide whether to go or not. Sure. Um, denied is also, I mean, in a, you know, from just a structural point of view, it's also easy because it's sad, but you know, and you're kind of done, right? So mm -hmm. with deferred and, and waitlisted, how do you kind of handle those situations and try to give yourself the best chance to getting admitted from each place? That's a great question. And I think it's important for students to be mindful that they, they may not have the control over their decision, but they do have control over how they process that uncertainty. And I think with the deferred decision and even the waitlisting, maintaining communication with admissions officers is important in, but they need to have restraint that's attached to that. So you shouldn't be inundating your regional rep's email with, I really love this school. It's my number one choice, you know, or, you know, you don't want to have that element of desperation, but strategically communicating with them. And I like the change of the semester as a moment for students to be able to send out what I call the good news email. And that's well, you know, that really one circumstance that we encourage them to reach out and share, hopefully an increase in the GPA from their senior year, uh, any accolades, any awards, any recent, you know, club activity uh, that they've added to their resume. We want to ensure that they are sharing it um, with the admissions officer to hopefully persuade them um, to reconsider if they haven't made a decision yet, 
um, and, and to consider allowing the student to be admitted to their school. So I like that change of the semester good news email. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's okay as well when you receive that deferred decision, a one-time email that potentially, you know, um, ask some questions. Just what does this look like? Is there anything I can do? Um is there anything more that you'd like to see from me? Um, there are circumstances that students are deferred because their application was incomplete. Mm-hmm. And because they didn't uh, provide all of the materials that were required, they are then deferred to a larger pool. And so asking that question it can be a, a critical moment uh, to seize so that way they can remedy what was missing. Yeah, I was going to ask, do universities typically give a reason for deferment, especially if it's because the application was incomplete, or are you in the dark unless you ask? Uh, If your application is incomplete, typically they will notify you that you Mm. have been deferred because we are missing X, Y, Z. But if it's deferred and everything was in, you're in the dark um, as to why you were deferred. and. Um, I think in most circumstances, students don't hear a concrete reason as to why they were deferred because there's so many variables that are part of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always encourage my students, and, and this goes for, you know, even if you were admitted to a school, you need to keep your grades up throughout senior year um, because universities do uh, monitor that. And in some circumstances, I've seen uh, decisions, acceptances rescinded because the grades weren't where they were supposed to be. Um, but it's, especially if you've been deferred, we want to make sure that your grades are strong um, throughout. So you're giving them further cause to admit you. Great. Yeah. And then I, I'd love to talk about essentially trying to maximize. I mean, I, what I have in my mind right now is essentially that you shouldn't take your foot off the gas once you've applied to college. Right. Because if you do get deferred or waitlisted, then, you know, your performance in that fall senior year semester will be pretty important. Right. Can you talk about maybe just like, you know, thing, how you strategize with your clients around that fall senior semester and and trying to make the most of it in ways that will round out or, you know, improve your application? Absolutely. I mean, it's all about growth and you don't, you know, we have students who come in and think, well, you know, now I have to change everything and I have to be better and set the world on fire and really, you know, um, just knock it out of the park with my resume. Well, they're looking at, uh, you know, your longevity with certain clubs, your devotion to certain clubs, the leadership that you have, um, you know, in t- or detailed to them throughout the course of, of time. Um, so you can't just go out and, and start, you know, brand new things and, mm-hmm. and make yourself crazy in the process. But I think um, seizing opportunities to challenge yourself, but also to convey that you are ready for the rigor of college. Uh, so, you know, if you've never taken AP or honors courses, it's okay to add them to your schedule at that point and show I'm trying, I'm challenging myself mm-hmm. um, and to maintain that um, through to the end. But, you know, you don't want to be stagnant at any point throughout the college admissions process. Um because then that that's not going to err in your favor when they are assessing you. And especially if you've been deferred or you've been waitlisted, you want to have ammunition that mm-hmm. you can show that you're still pushing yourself to grow and to be better and, um, you know, to prepare yourself for college. 
Right. And then you mentioned earlier that deferrals are on the rise. Do you have any thoughts as to why that is and what students can do if they're applying early action to avoid that? Sure. Um, I, I think that they are on the rise right now for a, a variety of reasons, but I think the test optional component that's accompanying applications, uh, colleges are seeing a larger pool of applicants than they have ever seen before because students um, are applying without those test scores. Um, and I think they're trying to assess you know, the metrics because at the end of the day, the college is a business and they want to be able to showcase higher GPAs, higher SAT and ACT scores um, mm-hmm. that will increase the rigor of their admissions and also, you know, to, to lower their acceptance rate as well. Uh, so I think in terms of being prepared for deferrals is important, just understanding what that looks like, what's within your control in the event that you um, receive one. But I also, you know, coming back to that test component, if you're able to submit a test score, I strongly recommend that you do so. I think that mm-hmm. um, not to veer off the topic, but I think colleges are really more test preferred than they are test optional. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think that can be helpful for students when they're applying to include a a test score if it's within range of the the average admitted student there. Yeah, even to that end, would you recommend students take the SAT or ACT one more time, basically, if they get deferred or waitlisted to try and get a higher score? Or is that just like, you know, usually it's been a few months at that point and it's probably not worth restarting. I think that a lot of that comes down to timeline and that's an interesting question. I think, you know, if, if there's a possibility, if they've been preparing all along, mm-hmm. if there is a foundation to build on, potentially that could be of consideration, but I wouldn't want to see them do that if there are other areas that they could strengthen. Mm-hmm. Um but if they feel compelled to do so and they feel encouraged that they would be able to obtain a higher score, it could be worth entertaining. Yeah. And then my last question, I mean, obviously you should not be emailing the college counselor with sort of a little bit of desperation, but right. I wonder if there, is there a strategy if you're deferred or waitlisted around what I would you know, kind of say is like sending us what amounts to like a second personal statement as an email to the admissions officer where you talk about something that happened, you know, you position it as it happened after the application was submitted, but this is an, like, this is a thing that I just wanted you to know that was a compelling thing. And you basically send a second personal statement over. Do you feel like that's a strategy? And then have you seen it work before? I do think that that's a very smart strategy and a way to approach it. And I think especially for the fact that when you think of a written supplement that a student is going to share, that takes far more care and concern and thought process than I'm going to send an email. That Mm -hmm. sounds so much more casual. So treating it as though it is a a second written statement that's going to go off to the school is a very smart approach uh, because a student will be more mindful of what they include within it, within the statement. And also it's going to be a much more polished response. Um, And, you know, I think you don't want to reiterate things they have already heard. So if there's anything unique in a change, that should be the moment to capitalize on what you had just referenced in terms of this happened 
after I submitted my application and I just wanted you to be aware um, and really kind of highlighting and, um, you know, think about the story that accompanies whatever that good piece of news is that you want to uh, share and, and telling the story within that. That being said, I think it's also important for students to be concise with that good news email or that good news supplement right. we're discussing. I mean, if you, uh, send a, if you send them a book, they won't read it. Correct. No dissertations here. This should be, uh, you know, something, if you need a word count, I'd say 250 to 400 words max, same as mm -hmm. a supplement that's going to accompany a, an application. So keep it, keep it concise, keep it meaningful. And that will also prevent you from being long winded. Uh, and, and making sure that it's delivered in one hopefully succinct message that leaves a lasting impact. Great. And then any other advice and thoughts on, on managing the admissions decisions that you get? I think give yourself some grace. It's very difficult to navigate decisions, and we want to be accepted by all of the schools. That's why we applied. Uh, but the reality is there's so many variables that go into college admissions that are fully out of the student's control, mm -hmm. and they need to understand that it, it's not necessarily personal, and it will feel very personal inevitably. Uh, we can't take that away. Uh, but I think, you know, as best as you can, give yourself grace if it, you are denied from a school, the benefit of that is that you can wake up the next morning and move on and mm -hmm. refocus elsewhere. And I try to think of it as, you know, you're being rejected because you're being pushed to something better. So reassess your options, see what's out there and be patient, especially with the deferral um, and the waitlisting. It's very complicated. There is hope attached to it, but I think be realistic with your options as well. Great. Thank you so much. This has been Shift, a college admissions podcast for a changing world, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Sarah Cook from College Bound Career Ready. And you can get a free trial of Achievable's ACT course by visiting achievable.me. And if you like it, be sure to use the code podcast so you get 10% off when you buy it.